0: Welcome to the Real Estate Espresso Podcast, your morning shot of what's new in the world of real estate investing. I'm your host, Victor Manash. On today's show, we're talking about what's happened in the month of April in terms of rent collection. One week into the month, landlords across the globe have been bracing themselves for a fall in rent collections. After talking with a number of investors over the past several days, some preliminary numbers are starting to come in. I spoke with a landlord in Texas who owns about 3,000 units. Their portfolio contains a mix of both B-class and C-class properties. Overall, collections are down, running between 75 to 78% of potential after the first week of April. The numbers are definitely down compared with a month ago. In a normal month, collections would be well into the 80s and in many cases approaching 90% at the end of the first week of the month. There is a small difference in collection between B-class and C-class properties, The numbers are slightly better in the B-class properties, but not by very much. The tenant is somehow involved in the service industry and their business has been shut down. They have chosen not to pay their rent. Now, the management team has reached out and spoken with every single family. They're seeing a large number of new leases being signed, even in this environment. In some markets like Houston and San Antonio, which have a very high annual turnover rate, landlords I spoke with are seeing higher than expected tenant retention. That means tenants that had previously given 60 days notice to vacate have changed their mind and signed a new lease. The National Multifamily Housing Council, or NMHC, issued a report today and found that a 12 percentage point decrease in the share of apartment households had paid rent through April the 5th. In the first review of the effect of the COVID-19 outbreak on rent payments, their tracker found 69% of households had paid their rent by April the 5th, and that compares with 81% that had paid by March the 5th in 2020, and 82% that had paid in the same period last year, so definitely down by about 12, 13%. The NMHC takes data from several property management sources, including RealPage, Yardi, Entrada, Resmin, and MRI Software. The numbers include total occupied units, but they exclude vacant units. Purpose-built student housing, privatized military housing, and subsidized or affordable units are not included in the count. The folks at NMHC will continue to collect data for each week, ending on Sunday night, and publish their data every Wednesday. It's available on their website. If you're interested in getting a macro view on what's happening in rent collections, you want to check back there often. Now, there is a belief propagated by many in the tenant advocacy groups that tenants are no longer required to pay their rent. They point to the moratorium on evictions that have been publicized. Fact is, there are several levels of government involved, results in a patchwork of regulations. There can be rules imposed at the federal level, the state or provincial level, or even at the local level. In some cases, there can be more than one regulation providing conflicting guidance. Understanding which rule takes precedence will require you to get local legal advice in your home market. For example, in the U.S., the Federal Disaster Relief Program, the CARES Act, which was passed on March 27, included 120-day moratorium on evictions. Moratorium on late fees and other penalties. That was issued the date the legislation was signed. It's important to understand the details of that provision as you're collecting rent. The moratorium applies to all properties that are federally insured, whether that's with Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, FHA, HUD, or Veterans Administration. And properties participating in one of the covered housing programs, such as Section 8, rural housing, the low income housing tax credit, they're all covered by this program. The covered properties are prohibited from providing eviction notices or initiating legal actions to recover possession from residents for non-payment of rent. The law also requires property owners to provide eviction notices at least 30 days in advance of the eviction date, which essentially extends the eviction moratorium to 150 days. Covered property owners are also not allowed to charge late fees to any resident. It applies to any resident who fails to pay their rent, not just those whose incomes have been disrupted by COVID-19. The way it's written, that currently means the moratorium applies to residents simply who choose not to pay their rent rather than just those who cannot pay their rent. The federal moratorium supersedes any state or local eviction rules, whether they be shorter in duration or less stringent, namely the many local rules that only provide protection to residents who can show an adverse impact from COVID-19. It also doesn't prevent enforcement of more protective local rules. Now, on the commercial side, We're seeing a very real problem with collections, and it depends highly on whether the business has been forced to close its doors. We have some businesses that are unable to perform their business online, and their revenue has gone to zero. The commercial lease clearly didn't contemplate a scenario where business revenue went to zero for an extended period of time, and the commercial rent collections are currently running at about 50% of lease space, at least in our portfolio. We expect that number might drop even lower in the coming months as the mandatory shutdowns extended. Now, overall, the impact of residential rent seems to be less than many had feared. It's also reasonable to expect that rent collections will probably be lower in May than they were in April. As you think about that, you definitely want to keep your lines of communication open with your tenants. And that means communicating with them every couple of weeks. Have an awesome rest of your day. Go make some great things happen. We'll talk to you again tomorrow.